Hello, this is Matt Spiro. Welcome along to your weekly fix of French football. We have a special treat for you this week as our man David Crossan meets up with Mikael Silvestre. Mikael came through the ranks at Rennes before going to Inter and then winning five league titles with Manchester United as well as the Champions League. He also played for Arsenal, Werder Bremen, Portland Timbers and Chennai in FC and he has plenty to say in this exclusive interview. Now, with today's special guest on Le Boja, we are really spoiling you. He came up through the famous Ren youth system, played in Italy, England, Germany, the United States and India and was capped 40 times by France. Yes, it's Mikel Silvestre, or should I say Monsieur l'Ambassadeur Silvestre. <laughs> Welcome to Le Boja. Thank you very much. Now, Mikael, I'd say you've picked a, a very good time to become a Ligue 1 ambassador because we had what I'm calling the most exciting game of the decade on Sunday evening, which was the 3-3 between Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco. Uh, how much did you enjoy that game? Yeah, beautiful game. Uh, it reminds us about the 5-5 against, uh, between uh, Lyon and, and Marseille uh, a few years back. So, uh, flow, like football-wise, it was, it was great and the fans enjoyed it. So, um, it reminds us that... Uh, Football should be always like this. It's not the case, but that was a good game. But uh, as a former defender, when you saw Thiago Silva speaking to Thomas Tuchel and saying, we've only got two defenders, did that make you think, oh, I want to be on the defensive side or were you just enjoying seeing the, the Le Cat Fantastique and Monaco's attacking talent as well? No, I must say when you are a defender, you, you relish uh, the biggest challenges because uh, you, you love defending if you're just on the front foot and passing the ball forward. To, it's a bit boring. Um, uh, so now Thiago, I mean, yeah, he was a bit worried for sure, and that was that was justified because Monaco on that day, uh, the four offensive players did a, a great job. Now Kylian Mbappe actually didn't have his best game in that first match of the Parc de France, but he did score two when the teams met again in the the four one win for Paris Saint Germain three days later. You were pretty quick as a defender, but how would you have dealt with someone like Mbappe? Well, he's, uh, he's surprising because uh, he's, first, uh, he's, he's very sharp and after that he's keeping the pace. Like I think on the 100 meters, uh, he's got the attribute to, to have a good race. Um, in the past, there was Gibri CC also was a fantastic sprinter. Um, but um, I would say Kylian is a bit, reminds me of Thierry Henry, you know, um, like, a, like a Jaguar, you know, type of... Type of uh, animal you know uh, very smooth and very quick he likes that same finish as well the cutting in from the left hand side and passing it into the, the corner of the net yeah i think he must have seen a, a few a few youtube videos um even even if thierry is not old my generation uh, i don't think he's, he has seen him live many times but yeah going from coming from monaco it makes sense and uh, kilian has got the attribute to play in, as a winger or as a as a lone striker uh, so he's, he's a typical uh, modern striker. You played with Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United when he was a, a similar age to, to what Killian is now. Killian's now 21, but Cristiano Ronaldo didn't really start scoring a lot of goals until he was 21, and killian has been doing it for three years. He's remarkable. Yeah, he became uh, quickly obsessed uh, with finishing, I think, Killian, And um, it's coming from, from him, but also I think from the coaches because... He's had this ability uh, dribbling past people and, and taking on defenders from young age. Uh, but to be at the top of the of the the offense for a team, now you need to to score goals, and it's important because uh, 
in the past a lot of teams play with the two strikers but now you're by yourself and you need to be a good finisher so he's improved a lot and uh, we've seen that with Les Bleus at the World Cup he, he was a uh, he was an important piece of the puzzle and do you think he has the potential to have a, a career that could match Cristiano Ronaldo's to keep doing it year after year well the, the thing is uh, he's at the, the best schools because he's been uh, training with uh, Amael Falcao now he's with Cavani and there's uh, Icardi coming so when you have top goal scorer like this, I'm I'm sure he's learning uh, even more. So his his goal records um, is he, he could beat it, but I mean Cristiano put the bar so high, it will be it's going to take him a while to to get there. Do you see him as a future Ballon d'Or, Killian? Well, he will uh, he will definitely uh, be in the race, um, and um, I think he will win it uh, at some point. Yes. Now you mentioned that uh, Mbappe helped France the World Cup that French football is definitely on a high at the moment and what is it about the way the French youth system works that means that players come out so well and that there are so many French players not only in the French league but around the world doing great things for clubs I think and it's, for countries yeah I think it's a, it's a matter of uh, talent for sure but also opportunities um, you play at, as a young at a young age so you you start at school uh, and then uh, quickly you go into uh, um, into selections uh, of your district and uh, regions and and then there is the uh, the Clairefontaines all around around France. You have I think you have twelve centers from the age of thirteen, fifteen. So already the, those center picks up the the best talent. And then you have the clubs, so the Ligue 2 clubs, the Ligue 1 clubs. So it's a lot of uh, space for for talent to be picked up and to be brought up to through the system uh, so it's it's been in place um, I mean this this strategy has been in place for a long long time so I'm not surprised that uh, okay it's, it took us 20 years between 98 and, and 2018 to to win the World Cup a second time but uh, well, there was a World Cup final in between and you yeah, were part of that squad in there, 2006 there was there was it's true there was and uh, I think France has been uh, doing well um, uh, in most tournaments, so it's not a surprise that uh, we are still dominant in this in those tournaments. Uh, tell us about your experience. You came up through the the Rennes youth system. That's one of the most famous in France. Is that what really set you up to be able to play at Inter Milan and Manchester United and Arsenal, these great clubs? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a chance when you go uh, through through France and through the Academy of Rennes because. I mean, lately it's it's been a bit more difficult for the boys, uh, but most of the time, uh, most teams it's part of the uh, uh, of of the economic plan. You know, you need to to you rely on your academy to to perform. Therefore, you allow those players to to shine and play early on in their career. And for me personally, uh, I started when I was eighteen, and uh, at twenty, I was already. With 50 games in Liga and gone, I was gone early to to Inter Milan, and I was ready to play in Champions League. So uh, France is a beautiful place to to start your career. And do you think that's one of the benefits of staying in the French game rather than I'm thinking of someone like Jeff Renadlaid who went to your old club Arsenal very young, but needed to come back to France to then get the game time because it just wasn't happening for him. Yeah, well, it's it's always easier to to start uh, where where you. To start with the first team where where you basically started playing for the academy you know uh, because you know the environment i mean it's 
it just uh, it makes sense. It's as simple as that. If you go abroad, uh, yeah, there is a barrier language. Um, there is may, probably more um, uh, obstacle for for you to to go through uh, and to to face. Um, so for some players, it's working, but most of them they they find it difficult when they go abroad too early. Now you were back at Ren in the in the middle of that at the last decade in a behind the scenes role after your playing career ended and. Were you already aware of Eduardo Camavinga at that stage as he was on Ren's books, but very, very young while you were there? Yeah, in my second season, uh, we, were, they were, we were having discussions about um, Camaving- Camavinga because uh, we knew the issue with the, especially the, the passports uh, and the family not being uh, a French. So therefore, it was difficult to, to even get, um, just to be qualified to play for, for a club. To get the license, but he was already in the radar, and uh, the club was active uh, to find a solution. And he got his French passport, and he's already a, a France under twenty ones international, and, and impressing everyone. He's an amazing player, the debut at sixteen, and looks so mature for a seventeen year old playing in a role that's not easy to play when you're that young. Yes, it's a it's a key role in the team when you are, and at sixteen to show so much maturity um, and consistency. It's uh, it's something very rare. That's why everybody is uh, is um, is dreaming about this player, and a lot of big clubs are chasing him and um, looking very closely at him to see uh, whether or not he would fit uh, the club. He's only seventeen, but it already feels like he's the boss of the team in a way that he sets the the tone in terms of the physicality, in terms of winning the ball back and organizing things. Yeah, it's something natural, I guess. Um, he re- he's reading the game really well, and because his technique is uh, is is tremendous, then uh, it's easy easy for him. I would say easier for him to to make the right choices at the right moment. Um, so he masters uh, the transition as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's impressive. So I'm curious to see where where he will be in two three years time. Now, uh, Julian Stefan, the, the Ren coach, is only 39, which sadly is younger than both of us. And he was already there as the reserve team boss when, when you were at the club. Could you already see at that point that he had the potential to go on and become a, a first team coach? Well, uh, definitely in terms of message and, uh, and, and coaching, because um, I've, I've watched uh, some of his sessions and I've been in the dressing room uh, before the games at halftime and uh, I liked what I hear you know I was like hmm, if I was a player I would like to have a coach like him because it's a clear message uh, it's a good football offensive always proactive and demanding on the player so when you are competitors that's what you want I mean having a, a dad already in uh, like deep into the coaching um, he's I'm, got a bit more hair than his dad yeah, for, now. <laughs> for now maybe that will change <laughs> for now <laughs> We will see with stress. Uh, so it's, it's, I think for him it's natural. And, uh, and then the question was, uh, is he going to be able to manage uh, a pro dressing room, which is different because you, every time you're going to have uh, 15 players unhappy. And that's, that's where the difficulties are. You know, you have to keep everybody uh, focused and, and positive throughout the season. So, so far so good. And I think he's, he's, a, he's a fast learner. So, for Ren. He's already won the Coupe de France and that was Ren's first trophy in over four decades. Uh, 
and they're currently third in the league. Ren have never finished higher than fourth. Well, a bit like Camavinga for someone who's new to the profession. What impresses me is how mature he is. That at the start of the season when they beat Paris Saint Germain, everyone was getting excited and saying, you know, "Ren, they could be the closest challengers to PSG." Then there was a dip. Things didn't go well in Europe, but Stefani he managed to keep calm even when there was talk about his job and now he's got them right back near the top do you think they can get the best ever finish under him this year now this year i think they they, they have to take the opportunity because uh monaco is underperforming leon is underperforming bordeaux is not there lille could be there but there is room definitely for Rennes to to make a, to make a statement i would say um i think the squad might be a bit thin uh Although now there is only uh, the cup to play for and uh, and um, and the league, so they could get there. We'll see. They, they should be able to to maintain that form, um, but then it's going to be about uh, injuries. I think if they can keep everybody fit, then they, they have a chance. And how do you feel about league and now compared to when you last played? Do you well the stadiums are better because uh, they were all redeveloped ahead of Euro twenty sixteen, and it it seems as though the coaches are. Are more willing to attack maybe than they were 10 years ago a little bit more a little improvement not as much as i wish uh there was if you look at the average uh, goals in bundesliga for example so i still think in uh, in france uh, we we start the games uh like we don't want to lose you know mm. so it's in the no, there's an expression that myself and the other uh English speakers who commentate Ligue 1 at the weekend hate in French, which is on est bien en place. And we all feel that if we could remove this from the French game, then it would be more exciting to watch. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's a good one. Good observation. On est bien en place. Yeah. We hear that a lot, for sure. We control the game. Yeah, but it's not control that you want. You want excitement. Mm. You want... Well, that's what was so good about that PSG Monaco game, wasn't it? That yeah. There's another French expression. They took the handbrake off and that meant that everyone enjoyed it. And yeah. that was... A great advert for French football. Yes, you want more of this. It's like when you watch uh, the last um, the last boxing game with Anthony Joshua. You you enjoy the victory, but you don't really enjoy the content of it. Mm. And it's a bit like uh, uh, what you've seen in French football too many times. Uh, teams trying to to cancel each other's, you know, instead of having a goal really and and breaking breaking the lines uh, to see goals. We want to see goals. Now, we should talk about some other clubs, not just Paris Saint-Germain and Rennes, because there are 18 other clubs in Ligue 1. One really interesting case this year is André Villas-Boas re-establishing his coaching reputation in Western Europe, at least with Marseille, and getting the best out of what is quite a, a thin squad, I would say. Yeah, he's done uh, extremely well. We know, we know how difficult it is to, uh, to get the result in Marseille, the consistency. Um, and that dynamic uh, is was good until the last few days <laughs> also behind the scene you know um hopefully that won't affect the, the players um but yeah he's, he's done really well um i think maybe it was good for him to 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 have a break from football you know to go and do his rallies and mm. he came back with maybe a fresh mind and hungry again so uh good on good on marseille to appoint uh, villas boas because so far he's done more than expected i would say Lyon having a strange season with Juninho coming in as sporting director, appointing Silvino, who didn't last long, and now Rudy Garcia in charge in the last 16 of the Champions League, but with key players injured like Ren Adelaide and Depay. It's going to be a tough second half of the season for them, is it? 
Yeah, it's been uh, difficult for them at the very, very start. Tough, tough, uh, tough learning curve for uh, Juninho and, and Silvino. Well, Silvino didn't survive that rocky start. And uh, night with injuries, Depay, uh, Jeff Adelaide, they need they need a good, uh, good investment in the market. Otherwise, I think yeah, they uh, they will struggle to to reach Europe for next season, which which would be a big blow because in uh, in Jean-Michel Rolla's uh, prediction, I'm sure he's, he's putting Europe every every uh, every year. Who are the players you enjoy watching most in Ligue 1 at the moment? Apart from uh, Mbappe in... Uh... <laughs> Maybe we'll say non-PSG, if we take the four yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah. four out of it. Um, well, I like to watch uh, the young players like Camarat uh, at Marseille, you know. Um, uh, Ozyman is an interesting one at Lille. You know, because he just came and good to to see uh, fresh faces. But yeah, overall, um, all the teams have good young players, and that's the one that are for me the the future. So um, I hope they stay a, a bit longer than I did. <laughs> I think now we should probably move on to some quick questions, so, so some options, and you can give us a, a little reason behind your your answers. Do you know ambassadors in? English in diplomatic circles are, are known as Your Excellency. Do you, do you like the sound of that? Your Excellency, Mikhail Sylvester. Yeah, I like it. Bad, it? I like so, it. It's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good name. <laughs> okay, Your Excellency. Let, let, let's start with an easy one. Ferguson or Wenger? Ferguson. And why? Oh, why? Okay. I thought I would, I could get away with it. <laughs> no, no, no. Just because uh, it was nine years and. Uh, Is he the biggest influence on your career? Would you say? Well, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, took me from Inter and we ended up winning the the Champions League so after 10 years in the competition uh, for myself um, and yeah great great person to be around and a uh, tough coach but um, I think my uh, that's what I needed to to get a, to be a better to become a better player and what do you know him as Sir Alex the boss the gaffer uh, gaffer, boss, it depends on the mood. Or... No, Sir Alex, no, never. Is his excellency. Also. <laughs> Did he ever give you the hairdryer treatment in the dressing room, which everyone talks about? Yeah, if, ever, if anybody of the players says, said he's never had it, he's, he's, uh, he's lying. We all had it, all of us. And uh, yeah, I had it, I can remember uh, two times, yeah, clearly. <laughs> and for you, left back or central defence, which do you prefer? Um, I love both. I love both because I enjoyed um, both positions. One is more attacking as a left back and uh, as a central defender. You control the, you can control the game, which I, I like also. Rio Ferdinand or Nemanja Vidic? Mm, Rio Ferdinand. Rio because Rio was a, a fine player to play to play along and uh, very calm, and that's what you need at the back. I know you need a destroyer as well, like uh, playing with Vida is fantastic. But with Rio, like, he was uh, the, the first uh, attacker, you know, very good passer, very, very good reader of the ball. And yeah, someone with a fine technique, which, which I enjoyed. Roy Keane or Patrick Vieira? Hmm, tough one because Patrick is my good friend and uh, Roy is... Royce is a special character. I think as an excellency, you're allowed a joker, as they say in France. So if you, if you want to use your joker on there, you don't know what else is coming up. Okay, but. okay. I'm going to use my joker. Thank you. Okay, good. Um, Old Trafford or Rosen Park? Where? 
Stade de la Rue de Lorient, as it was known. <laughs> right. Ah, Rosen Park, ok. Yeah. Rosen Park. Uh, no, no, Old Trafford. Old Trafford, although Rosen Park has a very good cup, um, you know, so they, they, they put on a good show and uh, they're making a lot of noise. So they are key to Rennes' uh, uh, latest um, run and the, winning the cup last year. So um, they can be proud of themselves. Uh, Old Trafford on the other side is a bit a bit quiet. You know, the straight for hand, thank God, is, is making a lot of noise. Well, that leads us on neatly to uh, to the next question. Galette saucisse or prawn sandwiches? <laughs> Galette saucisse, definitely. <laughs> Much better. Quality. Yeah, everyone should go to Rennes and try the galette saucisse. Yeah. Uh, Stefan or Soxia? Ooh, uh, no, no. Uh, Ole, Ole Gunnar Soxia is a former teammate. We played 180 times together. So, yeah, um, I go for him. Eduardo Camavinga or Johan Gorkuf? Eduardo. Eduardo. Uh, Eduardo is a future. He's uh, full of full of youth and energy and uh, and already uh, wisdom. <laughs> Usman Dabo or Usman Dembele? Usman Dabo, my best friend. Yeah, who lives in Paris and uh, I enjoy uh, speaking to because he's also involved in football. He's got an academy. Uh, Young Academy in uh, in Senegal and uh, he's, he's doing his best to, to bring talent into into Europe. Let's go back to a comparison you brought up right at the start. Thierry Henry or Kylian Mbappe? Well, Thierry, Thierry Henry. Yeah, still a, a legend. A legend for Arsenal, a legend for, for France. Uh, still the best goal scorer of the French national team and uh, he's done so much. Not uh, very loved by the French public. I don't know don't know why, but uh, for the football fans and football in general, he's, he's done extremely well. Do you think he should have been given more time as Monaco coach? After they appointed him, they, they only gave him a, about 100 days. Yes, 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 yes. I think uh, it was it was a rocky time and for any coach, it would have been difficult. Uh, as, we, as we've seen after Jardim, knowing the club, having achieving what he's done, even him struggled. So... I think it wasn't fair on Thierry to, uh, to be sacked so early. Now, uh, in your playing career, you won the English Premier League five times, won a, a Champions League in 2008 with Manchester United and made the final of the World Cup with, as part of Le Bleu's squad in 2006 under Raymond Dominic. What do you think was the biggest achievement of your playing career? Oh, the Champions League, definitely, because um, I was involved with Inter and then nine seasons, so 10 years you enter the competition, the most beautiful competition as a club level. And uh, so every nine years of disappointment because you enter with a lot of motivations and you reach, I don't know, we reach the semis, uh, water, anyway, we've uh, try, you try, you try, and finally you get there. And so amazing achievement because not a lot of footballers uh, win the Champions League in their career. And what was the biggest disappointment in playing terms? Well, Again, like you said, uh, the World Cup 2006. Um, so you see the cup and not for, for you, it's for my teammate at Inter, Pialo and, and other players that we, we know well, but it's, it's difficult to take and to, to digest. 
So the less I talk about it, the better I feel. <laughs> I should have asked those questions the other way around so that we could finish the interview on a positive note. You've been great company, Your Excellency Mikhail Sylvester, <laughs> Ligue 1 Ambassador. And thank you very much for talking to Le Beaujeu and uh, hope you enjoyed it and the rest of the Ligue 1 season. Thank you very much, Mikhail. Merci beaucoup. Merci. You are listening to David Crossan's interview with Mikhail Sylvester. We'll be back next week with another episode of Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 podcast. Do get in touch on social media using the hashtag Le Beaujeu or via email. Contact us on leaguearmpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>